Welcome to the Sequoia Breeze Podcast, a breath of fresh air for your homeschool. I am your host, Rebecca Lasavio. I'm grateful that you've chosen to spend a little bit of your day with us here, and we are going to listen in to a conversation that I had with police sergeant and homeschool dad, Seth Semino. This episode is a little longer than usual, but I think it's important. So hang on, and here we go. If you're listening to the in the car with your kids, this is one of those episodes you might want to listen to on your own first. A lot of times we have a lot of fun on the Sequoia Breeze, and today we're going to deal with a little bit heavier topic with the goal of um, empowering parents to feel confident in uh, keeping kids safe. So I will let you know, parents, the, the topic that we're going to hit today is one I've been thinking about personally for a while, and that is, what do I tell my kids? How do I help them know what to do in an active shooter situation? Because my kids aren't in public school, they don't get any training about that. And one of the reasons a lot of us homeschool is to be able to shelter them from some of those dangers um, and remove them from that situation. And yet, when I walk into a large store or a mall or a movie theater or go to a concert, or I'm even when we're just at church, our family is going is vulnerable to those situations because we never know where they're going to hit. What do I tell my kids? How do I help them um, know how to react in that situation? And so um, I've sought out somebody who knows way more about this topic than I do. And Seth has graciously agreed to be here to tackle this difficult topic. And before he fully introduces himself, I just want to say that we both have a really great desire that this topic... You might be thinking, this is not a breath of fresh air for your homeschool, <laughs> but I really, truly hope that by the end of this, that you will feel differently about that, that instead of worrying about it, instead of living in fear, we are we feel that we have power from knowledge of actual steps we can take to help keep our kids safe. So with that said, Seth, would you introduce yourself? Um, tell us a little bit about you and your family. Yes, uh, a pleasure. Uh, first of all, I'm a homeschool dad. Uh, um, my wife and I have 10 and 8-year-old sons, and we've been homeschooling now for uh, for six years. We're part of uh, Feather River. Our HST is my sister-in-law, which is we're keeping it obviously uh, close in the family. Uh, Gerilyn Fisher and my wife also serves on the Sequoia Grove Chapter Alliance uh, as a board member there. Um, I think the big thing with homeschooling for us, uh, my wife didn't go to homeschool or wasn't homeschooled. I wasn't homeschooled as a kid. But as time goes on, and then obviously the profession that I'm in, I've kind of realized that that kids in a school setting will pick up a little bit of baggage from their own home life, bring it to school, and then shed that baggage on other kids. And then you may or may not have some bad habits that get taken home into into your household. Plus, also in a homeschool setting, you're able to to present and teach a curriculum that you see fit for um, your your thoughts and ideals and what is important to you as a family versus someone maybe thrusting uh, information upon your child that may not fit with um, what's important to you um, uh, in, in a narrative that isn't important to you. So you're able to control that that setting, which is awesome. Uh, ultimately, the goal is is that the wiles of society are, are so great, but we feel, my wife and I feel in a homeschool setting, that we're able to allow our boys to be just little boys. Mm -hmm. I want them to just enjoy their youth as much as possible without having just some of the negative parts of society thrust upon them. Um, to share a, a little bit with you, I grew up... Um, in a, in a, it was a tough home. It really was. There was some domestic violence involved, some mental health uh, issues, some substance abuse. I was exposed to things that happened in my house that a little boy shouldn't be exposed to. Mm -hmm. That baggage uh, stayed with me, stays with me my entire life. And if there's a way to protect my kids as much as possible, homeschooling being a setting of that, um, my wife and I want to be able to do that. Uh, changing topics a little bit. Um, I've been in law enforcement for 22 years. 
I work as a police sergeant here in the uh, the greater Sacramento area for an agency. I feel very fortunate to be a part of the department I'm with. We have a great relationship uh, with our community. I've worked many various assignments uh, in my career uh, as a detective sergeant, was part of uh, some task force teams over the years as a canine handler, SWAT operator. Uh, I've done a, a lot of different things to be um, uh, as well-versed as I can to uh, be the best policing professional that I can be. And you and, do some training in this topic yeah. in your role now, correct? Yeah, I, I, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, I've been very fortunate in my career and just kind of the stars aligned where I've been able to to teach and train um, advanced officer training uh, to cops all over the country um, in, in certain topics, officer safety topics, um, uh, drug investigation topics, critical incidents, uh, scenarios. I've been very, very fortunate to be able to do that. Um, and that's mm-hmm. another reason why we're here. Um, when you and I first had an opportunity to to meet and connect, it was uh, because of uh, the fact that I've had an opportunity to teach before mm-hmm. and uh, it, it just worked out real well for us to be able to hook up. So uh, again, a pleasure for um, a true pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to be here with you today. I'm really thrilled that you're able to be here because it, it took me a while to figure out how to even find somebody to talk to about this topic. And um, so it's we're, briefly before we dive into nuts and bolts, one of the things that you and I talked about on the phone before this interview was that we both have a desire that people um, don't walk away from this feeling terrified. Um, feeling a need to stick their kids in a cave. um, So talk a little bit about um, your sort of heart for that, that people aren't living in fear. Yeah, and knowledge is power here, right? Um, I had made mention before we started recording, my grandfather is one of the most influential influential men in my life. I loved my grandfather. Um, Amazing man. It taught me so many wide words words of wisdom. But one thing he said is, ignorance is bliss. And the older I got, the more I realized how incorrect that is. The knowledge is power for sure. And what what the goal of today is, is to be able to armor you up, uh, our listeners up as parents, as homeschool teachers, as community members, as neighbors, to just be able to trust your gut, recognize uh, potential um, dangerous uh, situations per se, um, and be able to react accordingly. It is a trained skill uh, for sure. Um, I, I think I maybe take for granted after 22 years in this job the way my mind works now, uh, but at the same point, the more information we can provide to not be uh, victims of crime, mm-hmm. the better it is. Uh, criminals prey on those that um, uh, really are defenseless. But if you find ways to armor yourself up to recognize those danger signs, not engage or not put yourself in that path, um, you have a much better opportunity to keep you and your family safe. The scariest piece, I think, of the idea of an active shooter is that you don't know when or where. And it's, Correct. you can choose to stay out of the quote unquote bad areas of town. You can stay, and it, it, it might not matter. <laughs> you know, it's, and so it's not about necessarily making um, good choices about where you are, what you're doing, because it, I think that's the thing that's the most frightening when you really think about it is you, you could be in a very safe spot. And it's still something that could happen. When we go to Walmart, I have often thought, what would we do? This is where we come. My kids know it. Sometimes they go off to a different section of the store while I'm doing other shopping. We're, it, it's sort of automatic because that's the store that's near us. And we, you know, so when we're in this familiar place, what would we do if something did happen? But I don't want my kids walking around in fear either, not knowing much myself about what to do in this situation. I think about what I know of school trainings, and that is that you sort of duck, cover, and hide. Mm -hmm. But I've also heard people say, oh, no, get out of there. So what do we do? do? What's the first thing we should know about this type of a situation? Yeah, And I think the the term active shooter, um, it, it focuses us on a topic and we think of someone running around with a gun firing and, and that's exactly what it is. But any sort of, of weapon that can be used against 
an individual and this assailant who was assaulting people in, in any sort of form is continually actively doing it. Um, that would be the active crime that's committing the active the act of violence that is continuing to, to be committed and this and this unfortunately uh, can happen in any situation whether it be a, a grocery store a big box store uh, your church uh, a school the mall there's a, any any public location um, is really the issue uh, where we have to focus on how do we protect ourselves and protect our families and recognizing those uh, those potential danger signs if they were to arise. And a lot of this comes down to situational awareness. In a active shooter setting or where someone is actively assaulting or harming others, um, what we want to focus on is being able to run, do your best to get yourself out of there. And we will discuss this a little more for each one of these topics. If you cannot flee the scene immediately, find a great hiding spot, plan for that. And if you cannot uh, or once you're hidden and it gets to a point where you may be put in a situation to engage um, an assailant, how am I going to fight? What am I going to do? This is a life or death matter at this point. Um, but if we can look at that from a run, get ourselves out of there. If I can't, how can I hide? If it's coming to a point where I'm going to have to engage this individual because they are approaching me or, where, or wherever I'm at, how am I going to fight? to survive. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a different conversation for a grown man and an eight-year-old kid. Sure. <laughs> so, no, um, absolutely right. And, and we don't want to, uh, we don't want to uh, instill the fear, but it, but I think we have to just define it as the awareness of, of what we need to do. It's our responsibility as a parent to be able to um, do everything we can to protect our children. Um, absolutely everything we can. So the more we know, the more we can do to protect them. Uh, I remember as a kid uh, being a little boy going into the local drugstore or whatever it is, and and uh, I, I would I would tell my my parents or my grandparents, um, uh, if you need me, I'll be in the toy section. I would mm -hmm. go running off. Right now, mind you, that's 35, 40 years ago, and I'm sure our, uh, mm -hmm. my, my boys still do it to this mm -hmm. day. And I know where I'm going to find them when mm -hmm. they go to the store. And that's okay. That's totally fine. But at the same point, I need to make sure that I am keeping a fairly close eye on them. I need to make sure that I am understanding how long it's been that I have last saw them or checking in on them. There's a lot of factors that go into that versus just kind of aimlessly doing your shopping. And then I'll, mm -hmm. I'll gather them up when I find them. So would... A good first step be to maybe in, is particularly maybe in familiar stores, just like, hey, kids, do you know where all the exits are? Mm -hmm. Would that be a good way to get started with talking through this difficult thing with them? Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, with the exits, but it's kind of playing out scenarios in your head too. And you can do it in a way that is maybe not as uh, intense uh, per se as maybe what you're thinking of. Kind of a, a little side note, things we're trained on in law enforcement is we have a call for service to respond to a certain location. Let's just say it's a disturbance at an address. And we're headed there, dispatch is providing us the information, but while I'm en route to that call, in my mind I'm planning out different scenarios. I show up and I'm immediately confronted by somebody. Is that person armed? I show up and it's quiet. I show up and I can hear or actively see a fight occurring amongst people. I show up and I, I get to the front door and I hear violence inside or something going on inside. I show up and somebody flees. So I've played out all these scenarios in my brain. So, and it just takes fractions of seconds to play these out. So when I show up in that scenario is presented, I'm not behind the eight ball. I've already thought about this. So yeah, your familiar stores, I mean, you can't do this for every location, yeah. but your familiar stores, um, if something were to happen um, and you were to get separated from mom or dad, where would you go? Uh, what's the exit that, that you potentially would leave? Do we have a meeting spot at a certain location um, if something were to happen? Hey, I, if I can't find you, I need you to go to this location to wait for me. Um, so yeah, whatever is comfortable for you, um, is great, but at the same point, we need to make sure that we we plan for uh, worst case scenario, just so we're prepared for it if it ever occurs. 
I could, I could see making it a game like how many exits can you find in this building while we're in it? Like, yeah. Or it's just a low, a lighthearted, like, I don't think about that. I yeah. know my husband does. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't I don't pay attention. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but I could see my kids kind of getting into that without it having to be a super scary thing. Because I don't even have to say, if somebody started shooting you, where would you go? Like, that's mm-hmm. pretty intense. But like, if... If there was smoke and you needed to get out of the building or if there was something wrong, where, where, how would you know how to get out? So let's talk about where that could be, you know. And that's how you could say exactly without kind of – as we as adults, as we discuss this, we understand the intensity of, of if something really were to go wrong and there was an, an active violent assailant there. But you can make it exactly as you described. Um, if we had to get out because you you saw smoke or, or exactly as you described, mm-hmm. what exit would you take? There's an exit over there. I know mm-hmm. we come in one of these two front doors, depending mm-hmm. on that. Um, and you, you're you able to make it um, more of a, a challenge without adding the seriousness of the danger to preserve mm-hmm. a little bit of that innocence that we would still mm-hmm. hope that we could for our, our children. Yeah. So we, talk, we would talk about you know, find ways to talk, not, there might be a serious conversation needs to, that needs to happen, but it certainly isn't every time we're going to walk into target, we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. (laughs) what if something terrible happens, but the idea of if something scary happens, Mm -hmm. get out of there, run. And we're going to pay attention to where exits are. But if you can't run, how do we talk about hiding? How would we help our kids identify a safe hiding spot? When in all honesty, as parents, we're usually saying, don't hide from me. (laughs) But we do need to talk about what would be a safe hiding spot if that needed to happen. Yeah. And and I think having these conversations with your kids, and like I said, my boys are eight and 10, and depending on who's listening, could be much younger, much older, everywhere in between, is uh, I've had to describe, and and my wife and I have, have had to describe for our boys that unfortunately, there are mean and bad people out there that want to hurt other people. And that's just mm-hmm. kind of a fact of life. And sometimes these same people, a way they could hurt mom or dad would be to do something to you. So having that in mind, I need to make sure that I keep you safe. That's my job. And I, I remember as a kid, uh, you know, going to department stores and and hiding in in the the big racks of clothes in the center and like popping up. Or mm-hmm. cases. <laughs> I mean, that's that still could be very uh, alive and well for for something we wanted to to talk about mm-hmm. today. Or if you were to hide somewhere, what would that look like? Where would you, where would you go? I think ultimately there has to be a plan in place because if an event were to occur and you were there, chaos is exactly what's going to happen. And it's going to be an all-out struggle to try to gather up. And I do not want to leave an area. We talk about running, right? Mm -hmm. But if I don't have my group, my Mm -hmm. family with me, I I don't know if I want to go, right? I I, kind of want to find them. And that's where keeping keeping our family close to us uh, within – I shot or an aisle I or an aisle over maybe in our, in our best interest to be able to do that. Um, so when we do decide to flee, what does that look like? If we do decide to hide, are we hiding together? Because I don't want to bed down myself, but not know where everybody mm-hmm. else is. I need to go find that person to make sure they're safe to, to bed mm-hmm. down with me or hide with me somewhere else. So I think the first thing we have to talk about is like, what is it? What does it mean to to flee? What does it mean to to run? and and go and heaven forbid an assailant is there and that person has some sort of weapon or a gun we need to be aware of what our exits are where we came in and like we described our alternate exits and where we need to go to go um you know your locations well enough the normal places that you shop you should be doing those those quick evaluations of okay i'm now in the produce aisle I know that there is an exit on the northwest side of this building right here. Mm-hmm. If I need to flee, that's my quickest way out. I'm not going to have to truck back all the way through this store to try to get to where I'm going. Well, and maybe even notice, like, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, oh, you know, there's a door to the back room right there in the veggie department sure. that I don't pay any attention sure. to because it's not for me. But that's yeah. a way out. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's exactly <laughs> a way out. And, you know, seconds matter here. Something were to to happen and there was some sort of a violent event that occurred every second you need to account for. And the quicker you can start to move in the opposite direction mm-hmm. of where that 
that violence is occurring, the better it is. So if we already know where it is and we have a plan and I know I'm here and these are my exits, those seconds absolutely matter. And the quicker you can move and the quicker you can run, the the harder it is to be a potential victim or mm -hmm. a target, right? Mm -hmm. If we can move as fast as possible, it's great. Mm -hmm. As low as possible is good. Keep ourselves low to be able to move. It adds that concealment, but then also the smaller target we are, the better it is, the better it is for us as well. Um, if we were uh, successful, and I would say, let's change that. When we're successful, I always want to have a, a, a victorious mindset. When we're successful in fleeing from that area, in this chaos, law enforcement will be coming absolutely for sure. In an active shooter or critical incident scenario like this, where a, an assailant is actively assaulting and hurting people, um, the, it, no longer it is unacceptable for law enforcement to sit back and wait. We saw that with Columbine years ago, and there's been other um, incidents that have occurred over the years. Um, our job, my job, is to immediately engage that threat to stop it. Whether I'm the first on scene, whether me and a partner show up, whether it's me and three or four others, our job is to go in. And we have to recognize in, in our profession that we have to slow this person down or eliminate that threat. Because if we do that, more people will be saved. Mm -hmm. um, and as you are fleeing and you're running out the back door, the side door, whatever it is, all this chaos is going to be running at me because mm -hmm. I'm going to be going in. And our job is to get as much information as possible to be able to engage that threat but we also realize in, in the law enforcement profession, misinformation comes in very fast as well um, in terms of who uh, a person is, how many there are, what they look like, what weapon it is. So as you're leaving, the best thing you can do for us is keep your hands visible and up so we can see you not as the threat. You are the victim who is fleeing, but you're going to get posed with questions as well. And we do this when we do our active shooter training. Um, as we're running in and you're running out, I'm yelling at our role player scenarios. What does the suspect look like? What sort of weapon do they have? Where are they? Which way did they go? Mm -hmm. And in passing, I'm hoping to get this information from you. You yell, red baseball cap, blue shirt. As I'm running, I'm mm -hmm. someone else is, is I'm, what sort of weapon do they have? They're armed with a blank. Where did you last see them? They were running towards the gymnasium. They were running towards the, the sporting goods aisle or, or, mm -hmm. or something. And you're compiling all this data in your mind. Hopefully, people are calling things in to mm -hmm. dispatch or other information so you can decipher that down to a point where you know you need to engage um, or who you're looking to engage, um, which I think is, is critically important and follow law enforcement instruction. When you leave, they're going to send you to a certain spot and the toughest thing And here, I am thinking like a cop, but the toughest thing as a parent, and I know you guys will all agree who are listening is that if I'm separated from my family and an officer tells me to, to continue to separate from my family and go over here where it may be safe. I'm going to really struggle with not wanting to go in and look for my family. Mm -hmm. So the closer we can keep our little, uh, you know, uh, family group together, the, the the better it is. Because I wouldn't begrudge any parent for wanting to go back in to find mm -hmm. their missing loved one, and it's absolutely natural to feel that way. But then, from the, the law enforcement point of view, it adds more to the chaos to do that. Uh, okay, so I want to take a little break here. Yeah. First of all, I want to invite listeners to take a deep breath. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting in a benign room talking to you, and I feel myself tensing up. So, <laughs> um, And as I sit across the table from you, I feel the same way yeah. from the first responder point of view. As a parent, 
I also feel a tension, um, besides the very difficult topic that we're talking about, but I feel a little bit of a tension of, it's also my job to teach my kids to be independent of me. It's my job to teach my kids how to function. Um, and sometimes we're just playing in a hurry. So I want to be able to say, you go to this aisle and find this, this, and this, and you go to this aisle and find these three things and bring them back to me. I want them to be able to go to the toy aisle and hang out so I can shop quickly. So... Um, that, because that's how I parent, I don't always try to keep my kids right next to me hanging onto the cart because they're, and they're older. Mm -hmm. That's also been my thought of like, okay, now they're spread out all over the store. What do we do? So I don't, to me, keeping them always right next to me would be a step in living of, of living in fear. Mm -hmm. So do you have any advice sort of, or anything to say to that? Maybe you're going to tell me I'm crazy and it's, time has marched on and I can't do that anymore. <laughs> or maybe, <laughs> I don't know. No, <laughs> not, not at all. And this is where we have to define the fine line uh, and imbalance that fine line between being the helicopter parent and the free range parent. Yeah. Right. Where is that mm -hmm. fine line depending on the situation? Maybe, and this is, this is the situational awareness, um, you know, kind of like uh, adaptive leadership in a sense where you're going to lead and, and mentor and supervise somebody differently who has been working on uh, an assignment for 10 years and has an incredible drive and skill set, you're going to lead that person differently than you would be somebody who has been with the the, the company or the department for a month who's mm -hmm. learned. So it's the same situation. Maybe I'm maybe I'm a, a little more close to the vest and a little more protective in an area where I'm not familiar with mm -hmm. uh, a big venue, a, a concert, a show. Right. Um, uh, a month ago, we went to a, um, a show at Golden One. I'd never been to Golden One. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely packed. And the show we went to it was it was dude perfect. I was gonna say you, I had a hunch. For those of you that know who dude perfect is, right? <laughs> yeah. So what what was odd is is I have one of my my friends who is a dad that we went with together. He's parking the car car. I have his kids and my kids, and I'm now responsible for five boys between the ages of five and ten. Do you know how many other boys were there between the ages of five and ten? <laughs> all with the so same haircut. So, yeah, and we're all walking into. Uh, golden one together. We're all shuffling through a location that I've never been before together. And I'm, I'm scanning my environment. I'm looking around like, where, okay, where am I at? And then all of a sudden, as I'm trying to get myself gathered with my situational awareness, I'm trying to like literally put my hands on all these boys' heads that I'm with. <laughs> but then I look and there's hundreds of other boys that are exactly the same height and the same age and all the above. So yeah, I mean, so I think it's that situational, uh -huh. uh, that is a setting where maybe we need to make sure that we are keeping folks real close, but versus uh, a certain other location. There's absolutely nothing wrong. And I, I'm 100% in support and agreement with you. We want to be able to establish that independence and help um, our children uh, grow and learn. And some of the best ways to learn is is from uh, I, uh, making mistakes. I want to, if I'm going to, to struggle and fail, I want to fail forward and learn from my mm -hmm. mistakes. So we want to be able to, to allow our kids to venture out a little bit more and all these things. And there's absolutely nothing wrong, absolutely mm -hmm. nothing wrong with saying, hey, I need you to get bread. I need you to get milk. I need you to go get toilet paper. Absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's the conversation that we have ahead of time that maybe is a little more ingrained. Um, it's kind of like if there's an earthquake or the power goes out, who, wh where's our emergency kit in the house or mm -hmm. do, having those conversations mm -hmm. ahead of time, just, just so you know, I need you to go out and get it and come back and right. bring it back. Yeah. All right. Um, so there's, there's a clearly, clearly defined instruction. I've asked you to go out, grab what you need to get and immediately come back. In my mind as a parent, I know that that should only take about Mm -hmm. two minutes or whatever the case. Mm -hmm. After maybe three minutes, I need to say, okay, did we maybe miss the mark on something? And maybe I need to start heading into, into mm -hmm. that direction just to double check that, you know, I said toilet paper, but there's, you know, 10 different brands of toilet paper and they're stuck <laughs> staring at, you know, different things, right? Right. Whatever it is, so it's it's having those conversations ahead of time. I think we've we're, we've talked a lot about yeah. sort of situational awareness. Who's around you? What are they doing? Where are the exits? What do you do? How do you get out and run? Um, is there we we touched on hide? Talk more about hide. Yeah. So 
heaven forbid you cannot escape uh, for seconds matter the the doors uh, there's there's no possible way to for, for you to be able to to flee a violent encounter um what am i going to do now with my family to be able to find a great place where i can hide uh first things first we want to be as quiet as possible um put our phones on silent can someone make a very discreet and, and, and quick and quiet call the 911 if i'm in a room is there a way for me to lock the door or barricade the door whatever you can throw in front of it do mm -hmm. um I would recommend don't stand directly behind the door um, if you're in that room um, in a law enforcement setting as we go into doors or enter mm. doors uh, not not to you know parent our audience but we call that the fatal funnel like if you're going into a room there's only one way in and one way mm -hmm. out of this room in the in the back guy knows that right mm -hmm. so we call that the fatal funnel as you go in the door mm -hmm. right so steer clear of the door is there another place i can hide in that room because that that assailant may use uh, his or her weapon to try to open the door or however it is mm -hmm. and you don't want to be be close to that and while you're in there and you've done your barricade or whatever whatever the case is and you've locked the door and you've made that call and you've we have to come up with a plan at this point um I, I, we're in it we're in the middle of the mix here um, and we have to come up with a defense plan for ourselves so what does that look like i'm not going to I'm going to go down fighting. What am I going to do if there is some sort of engagement and now my hiding is over? Mm -hmm. Now I have to get into a, a fight for my life, mm -hmm. a fight for those people with me in that room, loved mm -hmm. ones, or maybe even strangers. You're together. Mm -hmm. What does that look like now? So, um, At the risk of sounding terribly ignorant, I'm going to go with the, if I don't know, maybe somebody else doesn't either. Can you text 911 now or do you still have to call? Yes, you can. You can text yeah, yeah, 911. Yes. Um, so we're in this room where we've done our very best to barricade and secure lock. And now we have to have a plan. What does that plan look like? And heaven forbid, you've got to carry out that plan, but at least you have a plan. You have, you're at a point where worst case scenario has presented itself. This is what we're going to do. And as we are there, this is our last resort. What in the room can I use as a weapon? How can I work with those in the room? Your bad guy isn't playing fair. Mm -hmm. They're not. And neither should you. And we need to get the best of our ability, a position of advantage. And that's going to be basically like a strategic ambush. I'm not going to hide in the corner and wait for this person to come in and do something to me. I'm going to engage this person, understanding that, heaven forbid, something happened to me or whoever I'm engaging with. But... I want to make sure that I can do my very best to keep others safe in the process. Because if I just sit there and do nothing, yeah. So what are we talking to our kids about when we get to this stage of the situation? Run and hide. Mm -hmm. I got my head around. Yes. <laughs> and I think kids get that. Yeah. that. Those are both very natural responses for kids. But what are we talking to our kids? And obviously that's different for a six-year-old and a teenager. Mm -hmm. So, but what are we, what are we talking with them about in a way of preparing them to be able to think in that situation? Because that's the point of preparation, right? Like you, you can't figure it all out when, while it's happening and your adrenaline's pumping. You already, you are same as, that's why we have fire drills. Now we know how to get out of this building, <laughs> you know? So what are, how are we preparing our kids to think, or do we leave them out of the fight part where that yeah. we're, that's for us. Yeah. And, and this is, again, um, I'm not here to, I'm not here to talk to you on how to parent your children. Right. Um, I can offer best case scenario. I can speak to you as a, uh, 22 year law enforcement professional. Um, I would do everything in my power to leave my kids out of the fight portion of this. Right. If there is one adult and a bunch of, a bunch of kids, I think that one adult should be the one who engages. It's our responsibility to protect our children. And if that means, um, heaven forbid, that means that this is this is it. This is a life and death mm -hmm. matter I'm going to do. So I'm not going to put my children in, the, in that path. Now, if I have um, you know, an older kid who may be able to assist in, in a way by by keeping maybe the, the other children um, uh, mm -hmm. corralled or mm -hmm. calm in a certain area, maybe that's the best. Instead mm -hmm. of having the toddler squirt out and run and grab mm -hmm. your leg as you're 
getting right. ready to do something that may be uh, a way to engage, but I would not at all have the kids fight okay. in this situation, not one bit. I would have them do their very best hiding mm -hmm. and stay hidden mm -hmm. and and leave the the engagement or the fighting. And again, it's, it's the ambush, it's the surprise. Uh, this perpetrator has come in and has done this to us. And I want to be able to meet that aggression as best as I can with, with something. As you and I, you know, sit in this room, there are dozens of chairs. <laughs> it would not feel good to get clobbered with one of these mm -hmm. chairs. Absolutely not. Um, Thinking yeah. what great hiding spots these tables would be turned yeah. over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ab yeah. absolutely. Um, and what else is it? If you're mm -hmm. if you're at a, a restaurant and and you're in a spot, is there? Can you grab a a wine bottle to mm. whack somebody with? I don't mm -hmm. know. A, a shard of glass. I mean, if you're in a, a, a sporting goods store. And mm -hmm. there is grab a bat off the shelf. I mean, you want to meet that resistance or you want to meet that violence and and do everything you can from a um a strategic point of view to engage and and fight that off. And um you may be able to delay and or eliminate that um that potential threat by by fighting back. And if you can get multiple people to fight back, uh, someone sprays him in the face, or I always say him, but someone sprays the, the, the perpetrator in the face with a, a fire extinguisher, it gives you that delay enough to that person get clobbered with a chair, right? Mm -hmm. And that may be the seconds you need for them to drop that for them to drop that weapon or for them to be off balance enough or whatever it is to take that position of advantage back and then mm -hmm. And be victorious mm -hmm. in that in that conflict. Uh, I mean, it's this is. I mean, it's yeah. We're, this person isn't fighting fair, and, mm -hmm. and we shouldn't either. Yeah. So when I was investigating this topic a little bit, I discovered, and I know you're aware of. Um, there are if you if you want to see how this could actually play out in a real situation potentially a real situation. The FBI has made some little videos mm -hmm. of run, hide, and fight. Yeah. Um, I, they're really well done and they're not very long. I will say I, I, it was upsetting to watch. It was hard to watch because it was like being in there. <laughs> I know exactly what videos you're talking about yeah. and they are very well done. Yes, mm -hmm. because you are part of that situation. It's a first person perspective yeah. and, that, and that victim that's in there engages with you, the watcher. Mm -hmm. And you feel, if we're talking about the same video, you feel like you're part of that scenario. And, and, and I'll level with you, this 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 comes down to like um, the, the hypervigilance of that stress, mm -hmm. that intensity and what happens in the prefront. I mean, we're really mm -hmm. going to physiology of the body, <laughs> but, but I think about this, like what happens in the brain and how we react and that fight or flight mm -hmm. um, and all those certain things that, that happen. Yeah, you bet. And the stress levels go up um, as we engage and how do we react during that stress? Are we able to situationally aware, see the entire room? Have we gone into tunnel vision? What's our fight or flight like? Have I completely gone in that red zone where my body literally shuts down and I am, I have, I cannot do anything. I'm, I'm just, I can't engage. I just, I'm in such fear mm -hmm. that I just cannot do anything. And you have to fight that. You have to find a level of of the ability to be able to to fight through. And that's why in, in law enforcement settings, we do as much real world training as possible, scenario training as, as possible. Even when we train still in 20 plus years in this profession, when we train and I know the topic we're doing and I know we're going to engage in some sort of event. I mean, if you were to take my blood pressure the moment <laughs> I go into there, I mean, it'd be 300 over 200. Uh, yeah. And you mentioned fight or flight, but I've also heard freeze mentioned. And you you talked about, you know, it's fight, flight, or freeze. And as you're talking, I'm feeling a little convicted in myself in that I, as much as I took the initiative to invite you here today, I have avoided this topic in a lot of ways. I have not allowed myself to think through clearly, what would I do? And it strikes me that what I'm, what I'm creating is a situation where I cannot help my kids as effectively because I'm not prepared. Yeah. So if I'm not prepared, my ability to think in that situation 
is drops dramatically. I don't have the presence of mind to give clear instructions to my kids because I'm trying to figure out what to do. And so there's too many decisions to make all at once. Whereas if I have gone to the trouble to figure out where are all the exits um, and where would I try to hide, what would our meeting place be? And if I know that my kids know those things, then suddenly there's so many fewer decisions to be made that I'm dramatically more likely to be able to actually help my kids. So sticking my head in the sand is not really the best solution here. And yet I don't want to talk about this subject. I don't want my kids to have to know about it. But I think about my dad was a volunteer firefighter and he really taught us well about what to do in case of a fire, even turning on our families, even making the fire detector, the sorry, the smoke detector Mm -hmm. go off right before we woke up one morning so that we had to in sleep figure out what do I do? And I really dramatically remember that moment. And it, yeah, it was a little bit scary, but I'm not traumatized by it. Like, (laughs) you know, now I know I can think I did go up to the door. I did look for smoke. I felt it to see if it was hot. I did all those things and felt even thought, this is kind of funny. It's not hot. There's no smoke. What's going on here? (laughs) You know? So now I trust my ability to be able to make decisions because I've actually done it. So I think, while we are afraid sometimes of scaring our kids, they know the bad guys exist. That's not news to our kids. Kids know there are bad guys. So maybe they'll feel more empowered as well if they understand there might be a bad guy, but I know what to do. Think of how calm your kids can be if you remain calm in that situation as well. And you talk about the fight, fight. fight, fight, or freeze. The freeze is, I mean, we have to throw that option out. And we talked about this before. <laughs> if we plan for that event, and as long as we're planned for it, and we never have to actually engage in that event happening, but we're we're ready for the worst case scenario, it. And we, I just as I described, going to those calls for service and and planning out all those different scenarios. So when I arrive and that scenario hits me, I've already played it out in my mind. If we've played those out, we then have the ability to engage. And is our engagement to flee? Or -hmm. is our engagement and we're thrust into a situation where now we have to fight? Um, Yeah, the freeze is is real tough. Um, uh, You know, I speak from my setting, as a former FTO, as a field training officer, I can teach a lot to our young cops to make themselves safe, keep you safe and be successful. But I have run into officers over the years that the profession wasn't cut out for them. And they recognize that very early on, then literally froze in the moment. Mm -hmm. And now they're a liability too. Mm -hmm. So think of yourself freezing. And now all of a sudden you're the one who is the captain of your ship trying to control and keep your children safe mm-hmm. and you can't even engage to keep yourself safe more or less them so if we've already role-played these out in our head um we're in good shape and we have to fight the complacency of just oh it's just another day it's just another trip to the grocery store i'm, I'm locked into this trance um we have to be prepared i'm not saying i'm not saying be paranoid but i'm saying be prepared and be honest with your kids right mm-hmm. and to their age level there are people out there that would want to hurt you. There are people out there that would want to hurt mom or dad and, and prepare them for that. I mean, you can you can do that in a way to to not scare them, but they, they need to be ready as well. And if they see you calm, here's a good example. And I think about this. We've all run into this situation, whether you're this parent or not. Your kid takes a spill and off their scooter or their bike, and you can see they scuffed up their knee. There may be a little blood. Hey, buddy, it's okay. That doesn't look too bad. No big deal. Let's go in and get get cleaned up versus the parent that runs in and goes, oh my goodness, my son or my daughter, what a horrible, that must hurt so bad. And next thing you know, the waterworks start to happen and they cry. Right, right. If if it's not, and I don't mean it this way, I, I, I don't. I'm trying to think of the right words to use, but if it's not as dramatic as a fall off the bike to you, it won't be that way to them because right. they're looking for your- They're mirroring re- your yeah, reaction. They're looking for your reaction. Yeah. So if you're like, hey, if something were to happen and we needed to leave, there's an exit over here, there's an exit over here. If we need to go, we need to go quickly. And every second counts. We need to make sure that we can get ourselves out and if we're in this part of the store and something happens, 
I need you to find me immediately. Or if you're with me, we're going out this door, right? Or wh whatever, whatever the situation is, I, there's a, a million and one of those scenarios that you have to play out in, in the, 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 the events. Like a good example at our church, I sit if, as far over to the side in our, in our sanctuary. So I am as close to the door that leads to the children's ministry as possible. Because I know that if something happens, I need to make sure that I can do everything in my power to get to the children's ministry, mm -hmm. to be able to be a great help to keep our kids safe. Mm -hmm. So one thing that comes to mind as you're describing these things, that is also, again, a challenge to me as a parent, is that not not only do my kids need to be prepared, but they also need to know how to obey me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. if if my kid doesn't, if my child doesn't take my command to run seriously and we have to stand there and argue about it, mm -hmm. that's not helpful either. So uh, I I heard once a parent taught me when my kids were really little, if you don't obey me, I can't keep you safe. Mm -hmm. And nice. helping kids understand, like, I can't keep you safe unless you are cooperating with mm -hmm. what I'm asking you to do. And we can talk about it and argue about it later. <laughs> right now, <laughs> this has to happen. And so not every kid is compliant and not, and it, all kids are going to sometimes not listen. But if they can at least understand, there are certain situations where it, we, no, it, it is now yeah. and that's all there is. There's, there's no negotiation in this right. conversation, right? Yeah. And, and I would thank you as a parent and me and, and all the listeners. Um, I would think and, and hope when our kids are at that that age where they can understand on a cognitive level um, uh, when mom and dad is is being serious or not. Like my boys know when when dad is. Uh, I don't, I'm trying to think happy go lucky or whatever, but, but but the term they know when dad is being serious and they know when they need, as you described, mm -hmm. uh, obey dad immediately. This isn't this isn't in. Give me a couple minutes, Dad, or mm -hmm. I'll be there in five seconds. This is Dad needs you here now mm -hmm. for whatever we're going to do, mm -hmm. and that's something that through that parent-child relationship that you you create and mm -hmm. engage, and you know when the time comes, Dad needs you here now, Mom needs you here now, and we are at a time in history when it's it's kind of a privilege that not all kids are sometimes forced to know that fact where I think of almost seems like a silly example, but it was a real example of um, in one of the Laura Ingalls books, Ma says, Laura, go inside now. And Laura did. And she praised her later because there was a bear. There was no chance, but there was a time when life or death was a lot closer <laughs> on a regular basis. You talked about the praising, the praising portion right on the back end. Mm -hmm. we, we as adults, we ask still in, in whatever setting we're in, uh, but our kids ask us all the time, why, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, if you can go back and double back and explain the why, that adds so much to it. Mm -hmm. I needed you here now because as you described from this mm -hmm. book scenario, because there was an imminent danger to mm -hmm. you. I need you here now because of blank, whatever it is. And you can explain the why and the kids can get the why behind what's what's going on. That's uh, That's critically important to um you know having that immediate engagement and that obedience that that specifically you need it, it could be in any setting we're mm -hmm. parent teacher uh, um you know a parent kid a boss subordinate whatever it is just life in general people deserve to hear the why they really do mm -hmm. like um the people need to know i'll follow your instruction more if you explain because i don't understand i may not mm -hmm. know train me and teach me why your instruction is important and mm -hmm. why you need to, to understand it as a whole two more things that as we're talking about this that come up is one you've run sort of now what you've talked about the chaos and i can imagine like the getting out of the building is then like where do i go what do i do now and two and i suspect these are happening a little bit simultaneously Talk to me, too, about how to prepare kids to deal with the cops who are in hyper-focused mode of like, you know, we we work hard to see, for kids to see cops as friends. They may not look like a friend right at that moment. Yeah. They might be decked out in protective gear. They might be yelling at you. Mm -hmm. They might, like, how do we help our kids respond well to those first 
responders who are very focused on dealing with the issue at hand um, so that the kids don't become a liability. So in a scenario like this, as a parent, you have a job to do. As you teach your children and armor them up with this information, they have a job to do. As a critical incident first responder, I have a job to do as well. I know what my job is and I need to stay focused on my job, which is which is keeping people safe and preserving life. And part of that comes with finding that threat and engaging that threat to stop them from doing what they're doing. Those first officers are on scene uh, or, or, or law enforcement uh, professionals on scene are going to be focused on that and are are going to be in, intensely focused on that. Mm -hmm. that. That needs to be 100% of their focus. Mm -hmm. Um, there will be other folks that that will be there as well that will be you know pushed back into maybe a little bit more of a safe zone that that is uh, a perimeter. I think anybody in uniform, whether it be fire or, or police, is absolutely a safe person to be able to go to and be around in certain situations like that. I think the big thing we also have to think about is uh, which is which is real tough. And we described talked about this earlier is the separation from the family. Mm -hmm. um, if you happen to get separated and you're scared, rightfully so, mm -hmm. absolutely in a, in a situation like this, is finding that person in, in uniform, that first responder, um, as a trusted person to be able to go to where you can be safe. Mm -hmm. uh, because as this event happens, those first few officers that are there are going to engage, but everybody is coming to that. Mm -hmm. And it's going to get a lot more chaotic before... It gets calmer. It gets calmer for yeah. sure. I mean, you think the chaos is intense at the beginning, and it absolutely is. But when, if something like this were to happen in the Sacramento area right now, within, I mean, I don't have any semblance of, of how long, but mm -hmm. you will have hundreds of first responders there mm -hmm. in, mo in moments, but minutes. Mm -hmm. And everybody is going to be wanting to get information. There's going to be misinformation on what's going on. If you can find, um, someone a first responder in uniform to be able to go to in that scenario that would be great which also reminds me when do you stop hiding you stop hiding when a law enforcement professional comes in to tell you you need to stop hiding you could be in that room barricaded yourself in there i'm on the other side of the door and i'm telling you this is sergeant samino it is okay open the door at that moment, it's going to be tough for you <laughs> to want to go open that door mm -hmm. to be able to be able to do that. And officers will come into that room and they will, those officers and those law enforcement professionals will look scary. Mm -hmm. You know, firearms will be out. They may be in tactical gear mm -hmm. with helmets and vests. And it's intimidating, mm -hmm. absolutely intimidating. But we're there for for your safety. Mm -hmm. And we will bring you out. We will tell you it is okay now to come out. And we will, again, going back to following instructions, we are going to give you a set of instructions and you're going to go to this location or go with us to that area where we would have that, that safe zone for sure. Presumably protecting from the scene as much as possible. Yes, right. And and you could you could be in that that area where you're hiding for a long time. Okay. Yeah, because we need to make sure the scene is safe to be able to bring you out. I mean, you could be in there for for a long time, hours, maybe potentially. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, not that long. But I'm saying mm -hmm. this isn't you know five minutes. Someone's going to knock on the door and say, "Okay, kids or family mm -hmm. or everybody, come on out." No, we mm -hmm. we can't take you out into that hot zone until we know that our our threats have been eliminated or squashed, so we can now bring you out of that area. Yeah. So let's go back to homeschool dad, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and maybe even more so your wife. Um, because you can walk around all day and not be in fear because you have all this training. <laughs> Does your wife walk around in fear? Do you want her to walk around in fear? No. Um, my wife is, uh, I married up. There's no doubt about that. She is, is has a, a very strong will and dominant personality. She's awesome. Um, but I think to a point over 20 years of marriage and, and, and me in this profession, she has heard enough from me. The boys mm -hmm. have heard enough from me about 
worst case scenario and how we're going to to plan for those sort of things. And it's not about it's not about being in fear. It's about being empowered by the knowledge you have to be able to react to an event because you've already kind of role play this out mm-hmm. of your mind. And, and you have to, you can't be naive to this. You have to, you have to understand that this potentially could exist. And from that information that you have, you can be, you can, you can be engaging in the community, but at the same time, you also have a cautious streak to you too. You are, you are observing through situational awareness, certain scenarios or events that are presented to you and you trust your gut and you're like, yeah, not a problem. Um, a, a good example. And I mean, it's the stereotypical one. You're going to go get money out of the ATM and in the middle of the night, well, for whatever reason you're up in the middle of the night, but you're good. Bad but, idea. but yeah, but you're going to go to the, <laughs> the ATM, you know, in, in you're looking around and you're like, boy, this, this doesn't look like the ATM I want to go to. There's somebody sitting in the car and they're staring at me as I'm driving in and somebody else loitering over here in and out of the shadow. No, I'm not getting, I'm not getting money there. Uh, or someone who's got their face buried in their phone and they're just walking aimlessly around, um, you know, looking at whatever they're looking at mm-hmm. and they're not paying attention. The people that want to victimize us see those um, naive traits in you and will exploit them when they have mm-hmm. an opportunity and when they can. So if we're stronger will than we've already, we're cautious and we've kind of planned. Mm-hmm. Great. So as a mom, I would walk away from this conversation with sort of this like plan or to-do list in my head of acknowledge to my kids gently with not with no drama mm-hmm. that there are bad guys out there and there's a few things we're going to do to arm ourselves so that we're not easy to get. We're going to talk in two or three places we go a lot about where all the exits are and where we would go if we needed to get out of here. We're going to start playing a game of who can spot all the exits in this building. (laughs) And I don't mean like, okay, we're on a mission, but just like as we go about our day doing our things, like who can spot all the exits Um, and have a conversation or two um, about how to hide um, and what to expect if something were difficult and how to obey right away and we'll talk about what happened and why later mm-hmm. does that seem like a good list too did i leave anything out no no it's a great it's a great list absolutely and again uh you and i the listeners we all within the four walls of our home are going to parent the way we see uh, fit based off of our our principles our ideals how we want to raise uh, our families what we what we want to hope to accomplish as a family to be a productive member of society. And then we do these things just to be able to provide that, I keep on going back to the word armor, but that knowledge that we need to have just to keep ourselves safer. Just, I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's really what this comes down to. And there's a way to do it. And, and I have had those those conversations with my boys, you've had them with your family. Uh, the listeners have had them with, with their kids as well. Um, it's, it's, it's really weird as a parent, especially with my, my sons at eight and, and 10, they'll ask me a question and I have to formulate the appropriate response that's age appropriate. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking all these things into account where I may just have that with you. Right. But, it, but <laughs> I may just tell you what I feel. But then right. all of a sudden that question comes in, dad, what is blank? And mm-hmm. you're like, uh, <laughs> how am I going to say this? And then you say it and they're like, what does that word mean? And you're like, uh, <laughs> you're pausing yeah. for a moment. But, but again, we need, we need to get this information out because, um, there are, this, there are people out there that want to victimize us mm-hmm. and they look for the weakest mm-hmm. of folks who are not prepared mm-hmm. to potentially victimize. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are engaged and thinking ahead of time and using situational awareness and maybe another conversation for us for another day as we describe situational awareness and what that looks mm-hmm. like to, to keep yourself safe. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have those set aside already, you can say, you know what? I'm not going to park here. I'm going to park over there mm-hmm. or... Um, 
I'll maybe come back a little later. Mm -hmm. Or we were going to go to this grocery store, but that person who is out panhandling is a little more aggressive than I Which want is them the to be. thing I forgot on my list, which is verbally, you know, speaking out loud sometimes how I'm paying attention to strange behaviors mm -hmm. to yeah. help my kids sure. learn how to identify strange behaviors as is appropriate for the particular child and you know whatever the behavior is sometimes you don't want to call attention to it but yeah. sometimes you can just talk about i'm going to keep my eye on that guy i'm not worried about him right now exactly but i don't understand what he's doing yeah, exactly. and so um but what's interesting is again i'm feeling really tense imagining these terrible situations that we're talking about but my to-do list with my kids mm -hmm is not stressful. It, that's easy. Mm. Let's play a game looking for exits. Sure. And it's okay to say there's lots of situations why you might need to know where the exits are. So <laughs> just like on the airplane, they tell you how to get out. Like we don't pretend an air a, a crash would never ever happen. We prepare everybody on the plane immediately before we take off with it. Um, so I'm, um, I think we're going to stop here because <laughs> this has there's, been a lot well, of... There's you know, and I agree. There's a, a lot, a lot to unpack with a lot of this stuff. And 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 again, this is trying to drink water through a fire hose right now, right? Mm -hmm. We have to kind of take these these little nuggets of knowledge and 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 digest them slowly for mm -hmm. ourselves. Like I, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a, an example to say, but but what's happening in my brain after 20 plus years of this job? If I, if you were to be a I'm, I'm just throwing this out as something. If you were to be a computer engineer, something that I am, I'm not proficient very in, with computers, right? And you were to say, you were writing code for something, I would be overwhelmed as you spoke about that. It would be mm -hmm. overwhelming to me. But for you, who's been doing it for 20 years, you're like, oh, you do this, you do this, and, this, and I, I, as you mm -hmm. can tell, I'm speaking about it now. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about, right? So if if we take these little nuggets and we just think about them. Maybe next time you go to the grocery store, next time you're at the big box store or the mall or whatever it is, and maybe you as, as a parent, you stop and you look around, you're like, oh, I remember what they talked about in the podcast. And you're like, oh, there's an exit over there. There's an exit over there. Hey, kids, how many exits do you see right now? Mm -hmm. And you you build yourself up to that point where you're Slowly. not mm -hmm. thrusting it all upon right. them at once because you're learning yourself mm -hmm. about that situational mm -hmm. awareness as well. And you you build up, build this knowledge level up to a certain point. And every time you build it up, it becomes more and more of the norm. Mm -hmm. If something were to happen right now and you were to get lost for mommy or daddy, what would you do? Mm -hmm. And just find out from them what where their mm -hmm. mindset is. Yeah. I would run out the back door. No, maybe that not maybe. That's <laughs> a good example, right? You know. Who would um, you talk to? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's a time and place to run out the back door, but who would you talk to mm -hmm. if you were to get lost? Yeah. Um uh we were in in uh in Texas a couple years ago on vacation and we went to a grocery store and um, uh, our son was six at the time. He was exactly where I would be if I was six. He was looking at the toy section. Mm -hmm. We were quickly shopping and it was just, I mean, we're talking a minute, two mm -hmm. minutes at the most as we're grabbing things and I'm looking down the aisle. I can see him down the aisle and then he's not down the aisle. And I'm like, and I'm trying not to like, you know, again, I'm not mm -hmm. trying not to overreact because I, I don't want others to overreact, mm -hmm. but I'm like, Hey, hun, uh, we need to find our son. Right? <laughs> and we're in another state and a shopping in, in a grocery store I've never been in. I just had my eye on him. We were in the same aisle. I could see him mm -hmm. literally 80, 90 feet away mm -hmm. from me at the end of the aisle looking at the toys. And now he's not there. Now what? Right? And I knew where I was going to go. And I told my wife where she was going to go and she was going to do. I'm immediately going to the exit, the front exit or the front entrance, because I want to make sure he doesn't pass that. And I'm telling her to go engage with an employee immediately to try to figure out, get it over the air, mm -hmm. whatever the case, because I don't want someone walking out with my son. I want to be at the exit. Well, my son did not see us. He lost mm -hmm. sight of us and he did the most miraculous and amazing thing possible. He wouldn't found someone who worked there that had a little name badge on, and there he is, just uh, having a great old time talking to the employee. Anyway, I, yeah. I digress, but um, but we had trained him in that aspect mm -hmm. of hey, if you lose sight of mom or dad and you can't see us immediately, mm -hmm. go find an employee. So he was standing at the mm -hmm. cash register. He knew where there would employ uh, an employee would be at the cash mm -hmm. register, and there he was standing at the cash register. And, and most kids do feel much more secure. If they know there's a plan 
mm-hmm. if something goes wrong. They want to know. If their only plan is I'm next to mom and suddenly that's not happening, then what? Now I don't. So if they know how to kind of problem solve that, then they're going to feel so much more secure. Yeah. And then you want to provide them with that praise in the back end mm-hmm. because they did exactly what you mm-hmm. had instructed them and, and had mm-hmm. trained them to do. They were obedient to your training and they did that. And mm-hmm. you want to love on that. You want to praise that mm-hmm. on the back end. Um, repetitive behavior through positive mm-hmm. reinforcement, right? Um, so yeah, I w- th- this has been, um, what a treat. I-, I genuinely mean that. Like, thank you for allowing me this opportunity not only as a professional, but as a homeschool dad to speak to other other homeschool parents. I am I'm so thankful. Thank you. Thank you for being here and sharing all of your expertise. And and I, I sense you have a real passion for this. You want others to be safe, to know the best way to go out and to um to be empowered by the knowledge of best practices. And um so I really appreciate you sensitively sensitively handling this very difficult topic. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? It should be a difficult topic to talk about too, because this is so out of the ordinary for what, it's what's, so going, what's wrong. going through your and my brain. Yeah, exactly, right? But we need to make sure that we are are prepared as as much as we can mm-hmm. to address that. And what are we going to do in certain situations, right? If we plan for the very worst and the worst never happens, but at least we've planned for it and we have all these mm-hmm. And maybe something totally different happens to your child, but they've thought through emergency situations, and so now they can problem solve. So mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of benefits, I think, to yeah. just being willing to life, – life isn't perfect. We don't live in heaven. <laughs> we live yeah. on earth, and yeah. so there are – there will always be difficulties, and we can't – sheltering our kids from those forever will only yeah. handicap them. Nope. Nope. Sheltering our kids forever will only hinder their ability to handle those things later. You know, and 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 I say this in jest, but this is very true. There's there's a difference between being book smart and street smart, right? We want to be able to be smart in both. We Mm -hmm. want to be able to have the knowledge that we get from institutional learning and, and growing in life. But then the street smart side of it is the common sense to recognize there's issues and or problems and how do I keep myself safe and address those when they are presented to me. Um, I see, I'm cheating a little bit and I see you on your notes, you said C.S. Lewis. One of my, <laughs> one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes, um, and again, it may not be exactly word for word, but he said, I, I, you can't, um, Oh, give me a moment here. I, I'm totally messing it up. I apologize. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start right now to change the ending, right? So um, what a great, take mm-hmm. that, insert mm-hmm. that in any scenario mm-hmm. you want when you hear that quote. Mm-hmm. Okay, so today you may be listening and you'd be like, boy, I'm really behind the eight ball. I haven't even talked about this stuff with my kids. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. how am I going to have this conversation? Well, you know what? Today is a great first day to start it. Mm-hmm. Today's a great first day to start it. So uh, thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Let's do it again. I've enjoyed my time. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Dear listeners, thank you for hanging in there for this episode. It was heavy, but important. I pray that none of our families ever find ourselves dealing with this type of awful event. I sincerely hope that today's information has left you with tools to train up your children, and let's face it, ourselves, for the unthinkable. This has been the Sequoia Breeze podcast. I hope it's been a breath of fresh air for your homeschool. I'm your host, Rebecca Lasavio. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or concerns about this episode, podcasts, at sequoiagrove.org. And you can always go to your school's website, find the podcast page and click on the little button and leave me a message.